0: happy sabbath church family we are so glad you guys are joining us we miss you all and we are praying for you but we are so glad you guys are joining us this morning as we celebrate sabbath Um, thank you for those of you who continue to give generously to your church just a reminder there are three ways to give one you can give online at mariettaadventist.org and click the give button two you can give in the adventist giving app or three you can mail a check into the church we hope you are encouraged today by pastor luke's message have a great sabbath excited that we can worship together again this sabbath. If you're joining us for the first time, hey, welcome. We're glad you're here. Obviously, this isn't the preferred way that we gather for worship, but we're glad that you're here. And if you're watching on Vimeo or if you're watching on Facebook, you're going to get an opportunity to interact with us. There's going to be a comment section below. You can interact with church family, you can interact with friends, maybe you interact for the first time and and it's kind of a courageous thing, but hey, we're glad that you are here to worship with us. Have you ever been at a family gathering and stories come up that are semi-embarrassing about maybe a family member or even yourself? They're way worse if it is about yourself. I remember growing up, I don't even know how it would come up, but there was always a singular story that my mom would tell. It wasn't about my dad's adventures or uh, maybe ripping on my older sister of maybe some of the funny things that she would do. No, it was always about one incident involving myself and the cutout in a stool in our living room. You see, we had a stool and there was this small little cutout where one could put their finger. And so as a young child, I would would stick my finger in it and then I would call my sister to go and get my mom. My mom would come back, and she would assess the situation and realize that I've jammed my finger into this stool. She'd get butter or soap and and wiggle my finger out, and then my mom would leave. And so, of course, I would naturally, after hearing from her to not do that ever again, I would wait, she would leave the room, and I'd stick my finger right back into that cutout. And my mom would come back and it was several times, it may have been four or five times that she had to come and get my finger out of this stool. That's just the type of kid that I was. I challenged rules. I challenged commands. I wanted to figure out, is this rule a, a good rule? Is it just, uh? is it for my betterment? Or is this a rule that I think is kind of silly? And so I wanna give you an opportunity. What are some rules that you have broken in your life that you have thought were silly rules or silly commands or ones that were serious that you found out later were for your betterment? So take the next 30 seconds and uh, tell us of a time that you broke a rule. Today we're going to be looking at a story in the Bible about a woman who broke a rule. And see, this wasn't just any ordinary rule. It was actually a rule given by God directly to Israel. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to Mark chapter 5. And we're going to be picking up in verse 25. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. 25, it says this, A woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. This is a woman who has sought a remedy for her ailment. She has a hemorrhage. And she's pursued these doctors and these specialists who have told her, we can help you. Just, this, is, this is how much it will cost. And this has been going on for 12 years. When you're an athlete and you get an injury, the first thing you want to know is what's the timeline? When will I be back on my feet? When will I be able to get back to the way that I was pre-injury? And so I can only imagine as this reality starts to set in that maybe she'll never get better. Maybe this will always be her life where she will have this ailment and it, it's just going to be part of her everyday routine. It's going to dictate whether or not she can go to this neighborhood or go to this grocery store, or hang out with these friends. It's going to uh, dictate the types of celebrations that she gets to have, because according to the the Levitical code, according to the book of Leviticus chapter 15, if you have a flow of blood that lasts longer than its uh, time, then you're considered unclean. In fact, everything that you touch is considered unclean, and everything that happens to, by chance, touch you is considered unclean. And so this woman, she's in this, this just depressing state, and she's been this way for 12 years. She's sought the best counsel. She's gone after the self-help books, and yet she's finding no help. I see this woman often. Because we as Christians, we tend to think, okay, we have this problem, we'll read these books. And if we read these books, then it'll help us with our problem. Or we think, oh, I'm I'm not as close to Jesus as I would like to be. And so if I get in a relationship with someone who's a Christian, then maybe their spirituality will rub off on us and we'll become closer to Jesus. Or maybe if we go to a specific church because of their worship scene, we're going to have our faith catalyzed and our devotion to Jesus will grow. We often go to these, uh, these sources or these uh, preachers or these churches or these uh, just methods that are promised to help us go deeper in our relationship with God, when in reality, it's only a true connection with Jesus that will deepen that love for Him. It's an encounter with Him. And so this woman, she she's sought the best uh, help She's endured much at the hands of many physicians, and she's spent all that she has had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. But then she hears about Jesus. She hears about this man, a man who is considered a rabbi, a man who's going around and performing these miracles, a man who's healing the sick. In fact, he's on his way when she comes up to him to perform a miracle. And yet she hears of Jesus and she thinks, this is my hope. This is is my chance. This this man, surely he can help me. And so I want to invite you, I'm going to take the next 30 seconds to share with us and share with each other, when was the first time you heard about Jesus? Because how we hear about Jesus and that first time we hear about Jesus can really uh, change our whole Christian perspective. So take the next 30 seconds now and share with us how you heard about Jesus for the first time. I'm sure there's been many awesome stories of when you first heard about Jesus. I can remember the first time that I heard about Jesus, it was so just jarring because it was through a YouTube video. Now, I had grown up and gone to an Adventist elementary school for the first four years of of my school life, but even then I wasn't old enough to really comprehend who this Jesus was. And then as I grew older, I really only ever heard negative things. And so when I was 18, there was this YouTube video that was going viral, and it was Why I Hate Religion, Beloved Jesus. And it's by this man named Jefferson Bethke. And I remember sitting in my Billet family's home, I'm in my room and I'm scrolling through YouTube. The hockey season is is winding down and I'm making plans to travel back to Texas. And there's this video. I don't know how it ended up in my uh, recommended watch area. Uh, It definitely wasn't a part of the algorithm of videos I was watching because the YouTube videos that I watched were all hockey highlights. And yet here was why I hate religion beloved Jesus. And as I watched this video, as I heard this man, Jefferson Bethke, give this poem about who Jesus was and the power that he had and his openness, something started to change in me and it would lead me on a journey to try to figure out what he was talking about. There were some moments in that journey where I didn't know what was happening, but I strongly attribute this video as the beginning of my Christian experience. See, the first time that we hear about Jesus, it can dictate the path that we will be on. If we hear a positive thing, then it might draw us closer to him. In fact, often it draws us closer to him. But if we hear something negative, it'll forever make it more difficult for us to uh, finally approach him and surrender. And so this woman, she's, obviously struggled. She's had this hemorrhage for 12 years. She's suffered long at the hands of many physicians, and she's spent all that she's had, and yet she hears about Jesus. She hears these good things about Jesus, and so she develops courage to break this Levitical rule and she pushes through a crowd. She brushes shoulders with individuals, making them ceremonially unclean just to touch the hem of the garment of Jesus, believing that if if she just barely touches it, she'll be healed. The story picks up In verse 28, where it says, For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. It's interesting that after she would be restored, she would have this fearfulness in her. After... Touching the hem of Jesus' garment and him realizing that power has gone out from him, that just shows us the openness that Jesus carries himself with. He's always ready to help. He's always ready to heal. He doesn't even need to be aware of what's going on. That's just how open he is, how approachable is. He is. And so after realizing that, that something had happened, that some power had left him, he turns around and he sees this woman and I wonder if she's trembling. I wonder if, if she's nervous and she's got a little bit of a, of a twitch. I know that when I was in middle school, I had to stand up in front of my whole school and I was there, and not being one who liked to be in front, I remember being super tight, my shoulders really high up, and my leg is just moving and and twitching, and I'm sitting there thinking, everyone is paying attention to me, and it was terrible, right? When everyone is looking at you, or you feel like all eyes are on you, it's terrifying. Most people even say that public speaking is the number one fear. It's not spiders, or snakes, or heights, or even death, it's public speaking, which is crazy and yet here he turns and Jesus sees this woman and she's pushed through a crowd and I can only imagine the amount of fearfulness that might have welled up in her heart even though she's been healed and so the disciples after Jesus says who touched me and they're they're just in awe because what do you mean Jesus there's everyone everyone is pushing in around you and yet you're You're trying to figure out who in particular touched you. This also shows the intentionality that Jesus has. You see, he cares about every person. Just after uh, or just before this story in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus has gone over and healed a demoniac, somebody that was considered a lost cause. That's the Jesus that this woman has heard about, somebody who values every single individual. But then Jesus does something amazing because the woman in verse 33, it says she's fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She's fearful of judgment because she realizes she's just broken a Levitical law. But the interesting thing about the book of Leviticus not that it's one of the most unread books in the Bible, because it's difficult, especially as us 21st century Christians try to grapple with some of these archaic rules. What we see in Leviticus is God speaking to Israel. In fact, most of Leviticus, almost all of Leviticus, is God speaking. Well, who is that God that is speaking? It's Jesus. And so she didn't just break a Levitical law. She broke something that Jesus said regarding cleanliness. And yet, as she's down at his feet, in verse 34, And he said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. It was her faith. Now, faith is this vague thing that we tend to uh, think that we understand. We we say have faith when our uh, team is is down and we expect them to have a comeback. Or have faith when we're applying for jobs and we haven't heard back yet. Uh, have faith that the relationship will turn itself around or that the relationship will blossom or, or have faith. We say faith expecting everyone to understand what we're talking about. But really, faith is this religious term that has a level of vagueness. I mean, Hebrews 11:1 says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the assurance of things not yet seen. But OK, that's a good biblical definition. But, but what does that mean to to us? There were these two individuals, E.J. Wagner and A.T. Jones. And as they started to study in the uh, late 1800s this very concept of faith, they came to this conclusion that Jesus didn't want to give a very clear definition of faith because we tend to struggle with definitions in general. In fact, they say that Jesus wanted to give an illustration because we as humans process illustrations easier. And so all throughout the Gospels are littered uh, illustrations of Jesus showing us what faith is. You see, this woman heard of Jesus. She heard of the good news. And so her faith was placed in who she had heard about. She believed that he was going to be consistent with what she had heard, with what she heard him saying to others, with the actions that he has uh, been uh, been having the healings that he's been doing, the, uh, the, just all of the good news that Jesus has, she's expecting him to be consistent. And so faith is the substance of things hoped for. Yes. But in a very practical way, it's expecting God to do what he has said he will do. It's expecting him to act consistently with his character and so it was her faith the belief that he was going to be consistent with who he is that allowed her to take that first step when you think about the very author of the gospel of mark it's it's john mark but he's just simply transcribing the account of peter peter what a fantastic example of faith They're in a storm. The disciples are in this storm and they see Jesus walking on the water and then Jesus calls Peter out and Peter takes that first step. But what courage it would take for somebody to try to stand on water. I've been to many lakes. I've been in bodies of water. I like to go swimming. I've never been able to stand on water. I've always thought, man, how cool it would be to be able to stand on water. And yet there's Jesus calling Peter out into this period of uncertainty. And yet Peter takes that first step because his faith is that God will be consistent, that Jesus is going to be consistent and follow through on what he has said. In times like these, there are many waves of uncertainty that might surround us. There, there might be uh, callings that God is, is giving us that require us to step out, to take that first courageous step. But it doesn't mean to step out on faith, even though that's a phrase we use quite often. No, we, we should have that faith before we take that first step. So that first step is very secure. So we're going to listen to a song and it's, it's a song that's very powerful. It's the song Oceans by Hillsong. And as you're listening to the song, I want you to think through what God might be calling you to do during this time. What waves might be surrounding you and how is he calling you out onto something that we might think is uncertain? And how can we use faith in who Jesus is to take that first step? Peter is out on the water, and he's walking towards Jesus on a surface that is fluid. It's liquid. And as he takes his eyes off of Jesus, he starts to look at the waves, and they start to uh, just become overpowering, and that's what causes him to sink. And then Jesus reaches out and pulls him up, and and they get back into the boat, and it's a learning experience for Peter. Peter. And here in Mark chapter 5, this woman who has heard about Jesus and he's on his way to perform another miracle, she's interrupting him from doing something great. When in reality, Jesus is always operating on this just godlike timeline, always being willing to extend grace and healing and love and compassion. And so she expects Jesus to answer her plea. She expects Jesus to heal her, even by just a subtle touch of his garment. And so she's pressed through this crowd. She's touched the hem of his garment, and she's been healed. And now Jesus tells her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your, affliction it's difficult it's difficult when there are circumstances that show us that Jesus isn't present it's difficult when we when we think that uh, our trials are too big it's difficult when every th- every sign every thought are just present day circumstances our reality Screams at us at, at this the highest octave that he's not going to be there for us. This woman had sought help for twelve years. Twelve years. My senior year in college, I was really struggling with health. I had gone to the Minute Clinic and they had done some blood work and yet my white blood cell count was, was really low and so they had some concerns and so I had to go see another doctor and they did my blood work and same thing came up and I had to go see another doctor. and As, as I went through this wave of seeing doctors, one thing remained consistent. I felt terrible. I remember hanging out with Carissa and it was right before an intramural football game and she looked at me and she said that I just looked pale. She said I looked ghostly, that I that I looked just ill. And I knew I felt bad, but I didn't know that it was wearing on my appearance, and we went and got a, a smoothie, and I, I got one filled with beets because I had been eating as much beets as I could or drinking anything that had beet juice in it to try to help my blood, and, and as I drank it, she said that this co- my coloration started to, to come back, and, and I started to feel a little bit better, and so I started to... To think okay well maybe I just have some type of ailment with my blood and I'm gonna have to always be be eating beets or drinking something with beet juice in it and uh, and things like that but as I kept going and seeing these doctors one thing became incredibly uh, just aware or one thing became incredibly present and that was that I could be facing some type of cancer I remember sitting in the office of this oncologist, and I'm sitting around, uh, or I'm looking around, and I'm, I'm seeing everyone else there, and I'm easily the youngest person in the room. And I'm hearing as family members talk to the receptionist and, and say that they're there for their appointment and, and what their appointment is for, and, and I just can't help but o- be overwhelmed with anxiety because here I am, I'm 23 years old at the time. I'm graduating. I have a job. I want to serve God. I'm going to get married. And yet, my circumstances are telling me that maybe that journey might be cut short, that I might have a battle on the horizon that I've never had to go through. I remember having my name called, and I had to get up from from my chair and and walk through the doors to go and uh, talk with a nurse. And I was trembling. I remember when the doctor came in. I remember what the lighting was like in the room. I remember the the scent in the air. I remember everything about the situation because I was so scared of what the doctor was going to tell me. I'd been dealing with this for eight months now. And yet, the doctor comes in. He's got his paperwork on his clipboard. And as he starts to tell me what could be the issue. He tells me that it's not a cancer. All of a sudden my heart just was filled with resiliency, with peace, with joy, with with even though I knew that the future was still uncertain. I I didn't know what it was. He hadn't yet told me, but just knowing that it wasn't going to be this long, drawn out battle that I that I had been expecting just completely changed my whole posture. But that was just eight months of struggle. Some some of you have been dealing with something longer than eight months. Some of you have been dealing with something for several years, and yet here's this woman, and she's been dealing with it for 12 years. But she hears of Jesus. She hears that He is the one who is the answer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so she says to herself, I will go and I will touch the hem of his garment and I'll be cleansed. What faith to believe that he will be consistent with who he has said he is, that he will act on his promise, that his promise is sure. In fact, in the Bible, there's this chapter that we often refer to as the hall of faith. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11. We've journeyed through these uh, verses in our daily devotionals, but in verse six, there's this awesome uh, verse just about about faith and about God. It says, "Without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him." Here's a woman who has heard of Jesus and has said that she can place all of her trust in his ability. And so, the future has a lot of uncertainties. The future has, has a lot in store for us. There will be celebrations and there will be sadness. There will be joy, there will be love, and there will be loss. But we know that this story ends with just utter love. It ends triumphantly with Jesus coming to take us home, with Jesus coming to to bring us to be with Him so that we no longer have to endure hardship. What a day of rejoicing that will be. But it all starts. That journey all starts now. We have an opportunity now to begin that journey. And it's through faith by believing that he is who he has said he is and believing that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Up next, we're going to have a song. Ah, uh, we're going to pause that. As you listen to this no I got I got to look at the camera. As you listen to this next song, I want you to think about how sweet it is to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word. For he has given us many promises and one promise that he has given us is that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And another promise he has given us is that he is coming. Surely he is coming. May you take this time as you listen to this next song to think about how sweet it is to trust in Jesus. the opportunity to place all of our trust in jesus we can take him at his word and allow him to not only become our savior and our king but also our best friend that we carry everything uh every thought every worry every stress to him in prayer he becomes our everything because he truly is the only one who can restore us he's the only one who can heal us it's not by, by working. It's by trusting, by placing our faith in Him. It's a powerful time. The times that we're living in are, are powerful times. And everything is pointing us to a soon coming of Jesus. And so as I close us with prayer, I want to challenge you. What areas in your life are you not trusting Jesus with? Is it finances because a job has evaporated due to uh, our present-day circumstances? Is it a relationship that you feel like just isn't going to go anywhere? Is it loneliness or depression? Is it uh, an, an ailment? Is it grief? Whatever it is, take it to Jesus Find a promise that he has given you and hold on to it with everything that you have because he is faithful and we can trust him. Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you just for today. God, we praise you because we know that even though the world might be uncertain, even though the Our circumstances might change. We know that you are faithful and that you are true to who you are and what you have said. And so we know that we can trust you. And God, we thank you for this story of a woman of courage who for 12 years endured at the hands of physicians and lost many of her resources trying to find this this remedy to her hemorrhage. But yet, God, she heard about who you were. And she came to you and you healed her. And it wasn't her traveling to you. It wasn't her coming to you. It was her faith that you were the one who could provide healing. And so, Lord, we come to you knowing that there's nothing that we can do. We can go to specialists and they'll tell us to do this and that. But ultimately, it is you who are the answer to our problems. It's you who are the solution And so, God, we pray that you would be present with us. We pray that not only you would be present in our hearts, but in our homes and in our commutes to work and in our jobs and in our relationships. God, we pray for your presence. And we ask for that peace. We ask for the peace that I'm sure this woman had uh, just received in her heart after being healed and after being told that she would She was cleansed, that this thing would never come back. God, we pray for that peace. Lord, we thank you for the Sabbath. We thank you for our church. We lift them all up in prayer. We love you, God, and we can't wait for you to come soon in the clouds of glory. For all of these things we have prayed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for coming and worshiping with us this Sabbath. We hope you have a blessed day and that... Uh, His grace and His peace would fill your hearts. God bless. Hey church, as many of you know, we were scheduled to go to seminary at the end of summer. But God has opened a door for us to transition from here down the street to be the new lead pastor at the Alpharetta Seventh-day Adventist Church. This is something that we're excited about because God has led in this process, and we have no idea what He's going to do over there, but we're excited to be a part of it. We have loved being a member here and being able to serve this church. We had no idea what to expect when we first got here, but you received us with so much love and so much warmth, and so this church will always have a special place in our hearts. Because of this transition, it's going to make our last Sabbath at Marietta, May 23. And after that, we'll be just down the road. And so we look forward to the next chapter.
1: We love you guys so much. And thank you so much for being the best First Church ever.